if I'm able to support just one humanity to make a difference, a positive difference to society, even through one individual, then I feel like I've left my legacy. Today on Mind Body Gym, we have Trevor Torrance. We met Trevor as one of our coaches in, in the Impact Ventures. And Trevor, basically, we hit it off. It's nine o'clock where he is. It's seven o'clock in the evening where we are. We cannot be more grateful to have him on early in the morning. Trevor is in Western Australia, and he also played basketball. He's a professional basketball player. Which b-ball is my game, Trevor? Right now, it's March Madness over here. We're all excited about basketball. Trevor, welcome, welcome, welcome. Tell the people a little bit about yourself. Yeah, a little bit about me. I'm a boy from a small town in Perth, which is way, I think it's the most isolated city in the world. And I guess through my childhood, I, I guess I, I had this dream of kind of wanting to, I get the dream was to become famous, but the reason for the dream was sort of a little bit of a loaded one, which only sort of I unpacked later in life. And so that sort of dream for fame, becoming famous fell into sport and I ended up playing basketball. So at 16, or I was up, went to the Institute of Sport in Canberra, which is a selection process for talented basketballers or athletes, mm. really. Mm-hmm. It's a breeding ground for the Olympics and that sort of thing. And then from there, I just stepped into the world of semi-professional in my first year. I probably would say more amateur, really. And then all of a sudden, it went. I went from zero to 100. So at nine, 19 years old, I was just thrown into the media and thrown into the masses of society. And it went from there. And um, yeah, I sort of did that for about 12 years or 13 years, I guess. Stepped out of that, just didn't really know what I was going to do. So I went to an astrologer who told me I should become a naturopath. So I went and studied naturopathy, really fell into my place there. That was my first real, I guess, my first real taste of healing and well-being, and it just felt right. But I don't think the breeding ground of professional sport where you have goals and targets and you're always looking for, for your next success hadn't sort of got out of my system yet, so I fell back into the corporate world for quite some time, moved around the globe at various levels in, on jobs, and then just decided actually I can't do this anymore. (laughs) 
Really? I mean, we met you and you coached us up. I mean, you made us think about things that we had not thought about. And you also connected us with, with the amazing Natalie, who has also been on our oh, podcast. Brilliant. Oh, that's so yes, cool. Yes, yes, yes. So like, how was the transition from professional basketball player to corporate world to like starting to focus on your own company, which helps with per- performance and development? Sure. Great question. And I think where that question really lands is identity. And so it was a a bumpy ride. And I think going from sport into corporate, that sort of period of time in naturopathy, I don't think I was ready for that. I don't think my identity was ready for that. And I certainly wasn't brave enough to step into that. And then I think, you know, I got to a point where I couldn't ignore it anymore. That sort of little voice inside your head becomes more of a yelling voice. And that's when I stepped out and did it on my own. And the interesting part, and I guess this is sort of depends upon your belief systems, but it is interesting part for me is that around the same time that I stepped out on my own and fully went on my own, COVID, the pandemic hit the world. And so my whole calendar, everything dried up. So I had a lot of time to look at myself for an identity and and it was tough. As we all. And I think we all felt that. Yeah, yeah. And still are, you know, for many of us. Well, how would you define the performance development, right? With the one being having a competitive background, but also having that healer in you, right? To be able to transition to, what do you mean when you say performance development? I guess the performance development is very individual, right? And that's the important thing with this is, so for me, performance development was all based, used to be based around successes and finance and that sort of aspect. Whereas now performance and development is my own personal growth, my own personal journey, but also helping individuals and organizations to get to where they want to be so that they actually get to live their, their best lives and feel like they're performing at their best selves. Wow. Yeah. It seems that as though it would be more personal, right? Like what are some of the methods that, you know, of coaching people and organizations um, that you've used or that you find? Because I can't wait to tell the people <laughs> you to talk about your RTT. Yeah. I use a variety, a whole range of methods. So RTT is a form of hypnotherapy that was um, created by this amazing woman called Marissa Peer. So I can be in a coaching session and if we're in a, if we're blocked and we're not kind of progressing, I will often offer it as an invitation. Do they want to try it? Some people say yes, some people don't. But RTT is a method that uses multiple, has multiple um, elements to it. Some of it cognitive behavioral therapy, some of it NLP. So 
if even if somebody doesn't necessarily want to go into under hypnosis, I have a background in NLP, so I can just bring the NLP element into it, which means that they still get to experience things and unpack things, but they just use their body. And I guess where, where we really connected was that thing around how much we hold in our body and the messaging that sits in that. And so just getting people moving really does actually elevate and escalate what's going truly going on wow wow where, where would you start people like who are seeking out personal and professional growth coaching where can people start when they're looking for that like what are the things that they should look for they should definitely consider what it is that they want to um, achieve. And it doesn't necessarily need to be goal orientated. And the reason why I say that is, you know, we're living in a society where unfortunately more and more people are really suffering from burnout and stress, right? Mm-hmm. So the last thing you want to do is to actually give somebody who's in that sort of on that teetering on the edge to say, go and find some goals because that's the worst thing that they can do. Yeah. Because it sets them up. You know, they're, they're already somebody who's driven or they're already at somebody that's at burnout. They don't need something else to push them to go somewhere. So you actually don't necessarily want to set goals, but it's like, well, what, what is it that I would like to see or feel at the end of this? Who, who do I want to be? What is it that I really want to work on? So that's the first place. You know, why am I really doing this? Understanding the purpose of it and what do I want to gain? The thing that I would always say to people is, coaching or any sort of therapy it's very much about the chemistry so it doesn't mean whether it's face-to-face or online if it doesn't feel right don't do it and, and just keep searching you know because there is somebody out there that will connect with you and then it's just go on the journey together and it is a journey yeah and so i, I love that you said that not just because a person has these letters behind their name or that they have all these certificates and things like that. Should you force the situation? Like you said, it should be an energy. It should be a vibe. And you have the power in, in choosing, right? So if you walk out of that office or off of that Zoom call and it doesn't feel right, trust your gut, right? I'm, you know, the, so the hairs on the back of my neck are all standing up right now because neuroscience has shown, right, that there is... So the prefrontal cortex, which is what sort of is, is the front of our brain, it's the part that does the thinking, it's the executive functions, what makes sense of things for us. And that's what differentiates us from most animals in the world. The interesting part is they've been able to identify that there is two neural pathways that go directly to your gut. So when we say gut instinct, it's there for a reason because we're wired, completely wired. We spend most of 70% of our time or up to 70% of our time in fight, flight or freeze. We're always trying to protect ourselves. So the moment that your gut steps in and says yay or nay, you must listen to it because it's telling you this is safe or this is not so sure. And it's proven. So it's science. It's not like it's, we talk about intuition and instinct. It's actually it's a path. It's a path. So to bring up when you said earlier about people being on a journey and they have a block when you're coaching them. And oftentimes that block, or, or is it oftentimes that block prevents us from having that connection to our gut instinct or intuition? Do you find that? Yes, it can be. 
Yeah. I mean, I think we get taught very early in our lives to not listen to it. And like many things, you know, a lot of our behaviors and our, and our reactions and how we operate in the world basically are because of what occurs to us really early in life and create our belief systems. And unfortunately, our belief systems and you know, our surroundings, our environment, all of that it really does impact then how we can progress in life and it can become quite a block. And that's what you need to unpack and just come to terms with and give it a big old hug and say, thank you, you've got me where I am, but now I don't need you anymore and let it move. What is like a common beliefs when you say belief systems about your role that you passionately disagree with? I'm not good enough. Mm. Every single human being walks around with, I'm not good enough <laughs> at some point in life. And even if I, I come across as completely the opposite, it, I almost guarantee that's just me putting up a protective mechanism because I feel that I'm not good enough. It shows up in me too, often, often. And no matter how much you take a course or you do a thing and pass a test and all these things, it's something inside us as human beings that still sometimes feel like we're not good. However, you and I have both played sports. I think with that mentality, sometimes it's like, well, you know what? I'm just going to mm. see what's on the other side of fear. For example, getting mm -hmm. ready for basketball games and things like that. There's a nervousness, right? Am I going to mm -hmm. perform well, right? On the court. For me, it was. It was always a nervousness. And it was like once I got into it and relaxed into my being, but I still had to get there. I could, I could not come out of the locker room, not get off the bench. And it's like that life. Well, I believe that. Like, you cannot get on the no, court in you, life. No, you're often sitting in the bleachers to start off with, like, watching the game or wanting to stay there. Like, don't bring me forward. No. Right. What are some steps that people who are sitting on the sidelines that they can take to get well, on the court in life? It's a good question you ask. I think the very first thing I do is I, I ask myself, is this true? Because we make stories up all the time because our brain is a predictability organ. It likes to know what's going on. So if it doesn't, it makes up stories. And those stories are generally always ones around, I'm not good enough, I can't possibly do this. I can't. So the first thing I say, is this really true? And I look in, I go within. So I find where in the body am I feeling this? Where is this? And I tend to use my hands a lot to sort of gather that like it's, because it's an energy. 
And if you take that energy and you kind of imagine it like, you know, you can turn it into this amazing golden ball, you can actually just propel that and use it to propel yourself forward. And I think to you, what you were saying, it was, perf- it was perfect. You would be sitting there in the change room getting ready for the court. And you'd have all this stuff going on. But what was also happening at the same time was it was creating an enormous amount of energy inside of you. So by the time you got out there, you were zoned in big time. And there was nothing else. It was like, mm-hmm. you know, everything just closes in and becomes quite focused. And I think... Mm-hmm. That is, it's understanding that the belief system, it can be turned into an energy and that energy can be really positive. That's what I loved about when I met you, both of you, was just so brave. So much that you were doing showed me courage and vulnerability and all the things that we need in this world. It doesn't come easy. And the fact that you get up each morning and you continue to progress and you continue to achieve and it's always about self and others. And I think, you know, that's not easy. (laughs) <laughs> you know, and I, I had so I have so much respect for what you're doing, but also how you you're helping others understand that this is a way we can move. This is the way you can move forward in life and use everything that's good and inside of you. Yeah, Trevor, I wanted to ask you because you mentioned something about the frontal brain, and I just was reading something recently about the triune brain, right? trying to get can you do you know a little bit about that can you explain that a little bit about trying to so no i don't know a lot about that i've been doing a fair amount of research in this space because what i've realized is that often we overload our brains yeah we had there are so many so that the brain is complex it's got so many different hemispheres that do so many different things And I think the benefit that we have as human beings, we are able to create. And I think to it, but in order to create, we have to be able to stimulate and stimulate all the the hemispheres of the brain. And if there's one thing I would take away from this, that if I, if I said anything in this podcast, I would say the, the single most important thing you can do as a human being is set a very clear intention at the beginning of your day. And the reason why that is, is because there's a thing in the brain called the reticular activating system. It is at the back of the brain. It's where every single piece of information comes into. Everything, anything we touch, we hear, we smell, we any piece of information that comes through a neural pathway goes into this reticular activating system. And that decides where that information needs to go and what to do with it. The attention setting if you set the right intention, it goes straight to the front of your brain. It goes straight to your prefrontal cortex and it sets you mm. up for success Okay, for the absolute day, for the every day. single day. You heard it. You heard what Trevor said. Trevor said, set your intentions for the day. Don't just jump up and run out the house and bumping around in the world. Pause and set an intention on how you want your day to come up. Absolutely. And I, I, so my secret to that is I do, I write something on a post-it note. And I put it on my bed head. So I see it before I go to sleep. It's the the last thing I think of before I go to sleep. And when they wake up, it's right there. And it's the first thing I see when I wake up. And so it's just, it's intentionally do it. And it is an intention statement.
awesome. Post it before you go to bed. You see it. You wake up in the morning. Your attention is set. I love it. But that's very easy. That's very easy. Yeah, that's awesome. What other steps can you add to to once we have the intention set for the day and just bringing about our performance, right? Development. The other thing that you know, I have a lot of people, we all suffer from stress, right? We all, cortisol hits our system and it's okay. a bit like an electric shock throughout the whole body. And the challenge with cortisol is actually it sits in our system quite a lot and it stops us from thinking. It stops us from being expansive in our thought because mm-hmm. it basically just shrinks the brain down. So some things that I would, you know, I would recommend because we live in a world whereby we are, our systems are full of cortisol and also we're probably depleted of dopamine. And dopamine is a really beautiful feeling, a hormone that we don't really have enough of because we use our phones so much and we get a dopamine hit. We've now become addicted to so many different things, right? Likes on social medias and things like that. Exactly, exactly, right? You know, tweeting, all, all of that sort of stuff. Even though, it, so you get to your tweets that one, one minute stress you out because it's like the angriest thing you've ever met. And then the next minute you're searching for the next hit. So it's like, oh my God, <laughs> your, your body's like, what? Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And it's all natural. So things that I would suggest is, first of all, put your phone down at least 45 minutes before you go to bed at night. And just don't touch it. I had this beautiful example of a principal who was, I was coaching and he was telling me that his kids were really young and he would come from this home from the school and he would go into the house and was, he, he was noticing that he only had 90 minutes with his kids before they went to bed. But in those 90 minutes, he probably spent even more than half of his time answering emails and things on his phone. And he was, it was like, and it's, you know, he was saying he was not really connecting with his kids. And I was like, well, you know, why do you think that is? And he, he kind of knew why. And I said, well, what could we do? What's one thing that you could just try for a week? And he said, well, maybe. He said, I did this once accidentally. He said, I left my phone in the, in the glove box of my car. And I said, okay, why don't we just try that for a week? Why don't you just leave the phone in the glove box of your car and just see how you go, see what happens? So he did it. And the next week when we met up, I was like, how was it? He said, the first three days were hell. I was just constantly thinking about, I thought I'd lost my phone. He said, I was thinking about where my phone is. He said, but I actually got 90 minutes with my kids. He said, by the time I got to day three, I didn't even, it was, it became, it started to become a habit. He said, but I noticed my whole body was just, I was laughing. I was having fun. I was enjoying my time with my family. I wasn't even thinking about work. He said, my whole being just changed. That was simple things like that. Yeah, the, the, the phone thing is real. It's like, you leave your phone at home, you pull off, you're like, oh my God. You know, it's like, <laughs> I got to turn back around. I don't have time, you know? It's just Yeah, it, it's a real thing. It's a real thing. Congratulations for his sense of freedom. And I think we talked about, I run well-being retreats and we do big, long walks. So Mm -hmm. you walk sort of 27K into the campsite and it's tough, but it's deliberate. It's deliberately tough to help people surface things that come through, but also help people realize that they can do anything they want. Yeah. Talk a little bit about your retreats. Like, you know, give us a a sample of what the itinerary looks like and how do people sign up for your retreats? There are three or four day retreats 
And generally, they'll have two big walks, and they can either be they'll either be a walk in and walk out, or they'll be a they'll be big significant walks. It's a guided walk, so mm-hmm. you have two people with us, and we'll, we're coaches as well. So we coach you through the process. We ask you what surfacing. There's a whole heap of exercises we do over that, and then we arrive into camp, mm-hmm. and we basically then have. The next day we run nature therapy, which is, it's like eco-psychology where you basically get taken out on a guided walk and asked to do, invited to do certain exercises. And that goes for about, you can go for five to six hours, massages, yoga, and just vegetarian food, good foods. And that's pretty much it. It's wonderful. It's wonderful. And we take your mobile phones away. So you don't have any technology. Some people get really nervous about that because they've obviously got kids and stuff. We're okay with that, but the, the challenge is that we then say to them, "Okay, well, then we will. You know, if it's okay with you, we'll keep it with us in case it goes off." But you get to have it for half an hour to just check if you need to do it. And interestingly, what you find is that they're really twitchy the first thirty-six hours. Then they don't want to be anywhere near it, and then they just like they get to the end. They're like, "Okay, so I don't know how I could do." without mobile phone, but I really wish I didn't have to have one in life. Wow. How often do you do these retreats? We were doing them relatively frequently, but because of the pandemic, we've not been able to do them so much. So oh, we're hoping to be able to pick them up again because they really are, they, you know, they're not work. They're just, they bring joy. And that's what I enjoy. Like what you hear? That's Musa by Kim Joyce. Find her music at kimjoycemusic.com. So before I let you go and I'll hold you up so long, like where are some ways that people can start to educate themselves on self-care modes of, I mean, you gave us a couple examples today about setting intentions and removing from your phone. What if say like in our population that we deal with in often disenfranchised communities, they can't afford Mm -hmm. a retreat. What are some basic things that they can do to just get started? Yeah. So, so some basic things that I would recommend. So what's really beautiful for the brain is to allow it to have expanse. Like me and a lot of people, sometimes we live in small spaces with locked walls. So allow yourself at least 40 minutes a day where you just walk out and you're just seeing there's no walls in front of you. If you can just walk down streets with big boulevards or if you can just, even just walking around the street where you, that there's no wall in front of you and you're walking along, give yourself the 40 minutes. Try and do it without having a podcast for at least 15 or 20 minutes or any distractions just and, and really sink into yourself. Like think about, 
you know, the, I, I often say to people, um, a really beautiful way to do this is to walk along and just ask yourself, what can I hear right now? And just so you start using, you start listening using the, your hearing sense. You know, how, what's the furthest sound I can hear? What's the closest sound? What's behind me? What's in front of me? What can I see out of my peripheral vision? All right, what can I feel right now? Is there a light breeze? Is it a little bit damp? Is it warm? What am I feeling right now? What can I smell? And so, you know, then what can I taste? Walk along with your tongue out of your mouth and just see what can you taste in the air. But just using all your senses, if you do that for even 10 or 15 minutes, you've completely brought yourself into your own body. And we don't do that enough. And if we do that even for 10 minutes a day, you've started a beautiful well-being pathway because it means that you'll be present for yourself and for others from that point onwards, and, and we all know the benefits of presence. Wow. That's a, be- that's a beautiful mindful walk, to use all your senses on the walk, right? Wow. Wow. Thank you, Trevor. So lastly, you get, start- you get started with your day. What would you like your legacy to be? What would you like to be known? My legacy. I think about it often. My legacy... It's like if I'm able to support just one humanity to make a difference, a positive difference to society, even through one individual, then I feel like I've left my legacy. Absolutely. And I'm sure that you've already surpassed that one individual. You have two over here in Ohio already. Thank you. Yes, yes. I would like to thank you so much, Trevor, for being on today and taking the time and also, you know, sending us Natalie and connecting with us. You didn't just coach us a one time, even though that was the assignment. I just really am grateful for the beautiful connection that we had over a Zoom call. And it's been wonderful and to see your face again today. And uh, just thank you so much. We really, really, really are appreciative of that. Thank you. I really appreciate the opportunity. It's so good to see both your faces again. I think you're a remarkable human being. The world is a better place for you, that's for sure. Thank you, Trevor Torrance, for being on the podcast. Learn more about Trevor's performance methods on his website at www.bemore.com.au. Two-thirds of the prison population in the state of Ohio and in 35 states in the United States end up back in the prison population within three years, a phenomenon known as recidivism. Fit to Navigate combats recidivism through wellness programming that has resulted in 0% recidivism. Learn more at fittonavigate.com.